Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Red Light Report. On today's episode, I have, let's just call him an energy and emotion guru wizard. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's Dr. Christopher Motley, and he's located in Tennessee. He graduated with his doctorate in chiropractic with a specialization in clinical kinesiology in 2004. Mm-hmm. And Chris started his own small practice in a small room of a small house in downtown <laughs> Franklin, Tennessee. Sounds similar to how I started my own physical therapy practice in Missoula, Montana. Uh-huh. But Chris, over the past uh, decade, has seen his practice grow to full capacity. And what I learned from talking, talking with him before the podcast is he also has a practice in Memphis, Tennessee. But during his sixth year, he started fighting off or dealing with Lyme infection, and then he has another health scare that we'll have him talk about here shortly. After speaking with a surgeon, working with a surgeon, he learned it was largely stress-induced, which I think we can all relate to in mm-hmm. one way or another, especially the past 24 months. But uh, without further ado, Chris, appreciate your time and really happy to have you on the podcast. Oh, thanks, Doc. I really appreciate it so much. Uh, it really is a privilege. Um, I'm so glad we got to connect. And um, whenever I see any individual that has like the technology and uses different technology that I need to glean from, uh, especially when we talk about frequency and energetic medicine, um, I think that's how when we say we both were in a uh, one room, I, I was in a one small room practice when I first started out. That wasn't even a practice. I just basically, like you say, hung my shingle. Yep. And it just started off because I know like when you're in Missoula, like I was in Franklin. So I'm in Franklin and Nashville. And so I start off in Franklin and I, I could have had opportunities to practice in Texas near Austin and one in Ohio, another one in Kansas. Like, But I just knew that I needed to get back into Nashville. But the funny thing was one of the first instruments that I ever uh, used was like microcurrent. Uh, therapy. And so, and you know, as well as when you're working with muscles and working with broken bones, I started using that. So the whole realm of this technology of red light and then healing and how it then interlined with how I worked with emotions and with um, energetics really, really piqued my interest at a young time. And it, and I just want to say, seeing your information in your posts is, is really, really encouraging because I do think in my heart of hearts that frequency medicine this type of red light therapy is one of the waves of the future, if not the wave where they're going to use technology to create this type of healing with frequency. I yeah, appreciate that, Chris. And, and the beautiful thing about um, healing with frequencies, especially with, with the correct hands like yourself, it's non-invasive, it's very safe, and the benefits are sky high. So especially in this day and age in allopathic medicine where where the wave is you know, pen to pad and doling out the prescription medications. There's a time and place for it, of course, but in the world we're living in now, especially in the US, it's it's a lot of chronic issues, which mm-hmm. which the allopathic system is not set up for. It's set up for the acute issues. And I think this is talked about ad nauseum between health practitioners like you and me who are kind of alternative or, or cutting edge, if you will. So like you're saying, frequency or other ways that are non-invasive, safe, but lead to real results. I think that's what people are starting to look for more and more, especially with the past you know, 18 to 24 months where people's health were, were really in dire straits. And, and I think people are starting to take their health more seriously and start being a better advocate for themselves because no one else is going to be looking out for your health more than yourself. So um, yeah. appreciate having you on, Chris. And so oh. let's delve into your history. Let's delve mm-hmm. into really how you got into what you're doing right now. Um, and so let's talk about why initially you chose uh, clinical kinesiology, mm-hmm. um, the couple of health scares that you had, how you dealt with them, and ultimately how you've built up your practice and now you're starting to do stuff uh, such as Chinese and, and frequency medicine. So let's just let's share a little bit more about your background. Um, when I first started out, okay, so uh, when I was younger, my dad was in the military. And um, the reason I got an interest in health was my brother, I slept in the same room with him, and he had allergies to dust mites. He always was needing inhalers and needed like, you know, shots to get for his allergies. Well, my father as well, he was a drill sergeant in the past and he worked his way up in the army and, but he had ruined his back by carrying rucksacks and he was one of the gunners and things of that sort. So he had like hardly any disc space in his low back. He had a friend that was a chiropractor 
And he went and he told me he was supposed to have surgery. And even at a young age, at five or six, I thought my dad was going to go have surgery because he said my back's always hurting because I used to wear his back brace as a funny thing. I thought it was like a superhero. I was like, oh, I'm wearing dad's back brace. He came home. He was helping my, my neighbor, our neighbor out, and he didn't have, he wasn't hurting anymore. I was like, well, dad, how'd that happen? He goes, well, I went to our friends, Dr. Bowles, and he helped my back and he did some muscle work. And I was like, oh, that's great. Didn't have to have surgery. Shoot forward, my brother was, you know, and uh, was always breathing through his mouth, kept me up at night, even at a young age, went and got his upper C1, C2. They said, just bring him in and we'll adjust that and we'll, we'll manipulate, but we'll also work on some muscles. And I was like, oh, okay, started breathing through his nose. So that started like that little cascade in my head. I was like, man, I wish I could like help people like that, you know, because I, I think that'd be really cool. Now, it may be in my blood. This is how it sort of fast forwards. I go to, I'm thinking I'm either want to be a pilot or I want to do art. And I, and then, but I really thought neurosurgery for some reason. I was like, man, it'd be really cool to like learn about the nervous system because I always a biology kid. I like biology and anatomy. Well, I sort of veered away from neurology or neuroscience in the sense of uh, a neurosurgeon because I heard about like their malpractice and some of their depression. And so I was like, well, how can I still deal with neurology? And, and so one of my dad's friends, the Cairo, and he said, you may want to consider it. So guys, I went and um, I decided, you know, I'm going to go this route. I really feel good about it. Go there. My neck, I got in a wreck before I went to school, Cairo school. And this is how we can intertwine. Mark. So we go like we go in to the clinic after I got my whiplash at the school. And so they would adjust my neck. I was like, oh, it felt pretty good. And then I really, in my heart of hearts, when I say clinical kinesiology, I had friends that really focused on muscle balance and you being who you are, working with muscles, working with the whole physiology and the fascia system. My friend was doing some work on the lymph nodes and the muscles around my, my neck. So guys out there, you guys may think like, you know, there's just, you know, let's just snap it into place. But no, they were, he was like, no, let's re-educate the muscles around the spine, around here. Let's see if you can strengthen the muscle to pull it back into place on its own. And that was kind of a different concept. And I was like, well, Okay, because let's strengthen the muscle first. And in other chiropractic philosophy as well, if you keep adjusting the bone with a bit of a manipulation, if you keep doing that, it will get the brain used to that adjustment and then you'll get the muscles to follow suit. The muscles will read the brain's signals and go, okay, now I can go into a different position to keep the neck into place. But kinesiology is more like let's fix the muscle first then see if the bone will go into place. Now, when I did that, I'm saying for me personally, my neck stayed in place after I cut my scalenes in a few lymph nodes, like near lymphatic points around my neck that were dealing with my liver. It was crazy, man. He goes, he goes, you know what the problem is? I know you had a wreck. I said, what does that mean? He goes, it's really your liver and your gallbladder. He says, because the Chinese meridians around your ears, around your head, they allow the chi, the electrical signals to go down through the muscles. But since they're weak and you have a bad diet, you're not strengthening the muscles. And that's why your neck keeps going out of place. And when he started working on the little lymphatic points for my gallbladder and liver and doing some muscle work, my neck stayed in place. And I was like, there's something to it because I'm a natural skeptic at heart. And that's the problem is like, I get a little bit skeptical. And so, Doc, I'm like, I'm going to see if this, what, what's up with this? And I went to their, um, what we call like specialties. I went, I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to just dive right in. And they started talking about frequency medicine. They started talking about how people use microcurrent and red light therapy and using different types of sound therapy to actually fix and heal muscles and lymph nodes. And that would actually help re-educate and pull the bones back into position where they should be. So that further stimulated me, guys. And then I went, I started learning about the meridians because I was like, well, I got to learn about this plus the meridians. And I started learning about the relationship of the organs and the meridians, which are tubes of electricity that go through the muscles that are all associated with certain organs. And I found out how they could be strengthened and help heal your muscles. Like literally, there's a connection. And when I started learning that, it made it so much more interesting to me and then I started learning more acupuncture. So I started taking courses in acupuncture. I'm certified, became a diplomat. And after all this, when I, I'll say when I, I'll tell you the story when I got into practice. I hope I don't get too boring for you guys out there. But it was really funny. I go into practice. I start in a little one room area. And just like you and I, Doc, we go there and I start, you know, building up a bit of a practice. Well, it was funny. Well, I'll get into emotions later. But I had one of my he's one of my best friends now. 
and he tells me this. He goes, hey, my kid fell out of a tree and he hurt, he hurt his neck really bad. And I was like, okay, well, you may want to take him to the emergency room. You know, you don't want him to have a pop. He goes, well, they say it's just bruised. So he did, brought him to me. And uh, when I scan for frequencies, I'm trying to scan for a range of frequency, like a range of, you know, sound. But what I found and indicated was he may have had a small virus. I can't, I had to say, like, you had to get sent off for a virus, but I said, I, I suspect there could be a virus in there. But I also checked his Chinese meridian points. And through further diagnostic with Chinese acupuncture and, you know, and Chinese medicine, I was like, I think he may have an old emotion that's held in his body, like, like that's keeping the electricity from actually healing the areas around his ear, the gallbladder and the small intestine meridian. So we started working with that, started to clear the acupuncture, and then it started to help him process the emotion better. And he says, after that, his, he stopped having fluid fill up in his ear, and he had stopped having his neck go out of place. Now, my friend, he's one of my best friends now, he just didn't really know what was this about. He goes, what is he talking about? But then he started going, you mean frequency? Your body gives off frequency of sound? I was like, sure does. And when he, his son never had a problem with it again, after, you know, like he had gone to doctors for it. When that all happened, I started to see, as you and I have seen in practice, how, and I, like you say, everything has its place, but I was starting to see how frequency medicine, how sound, light, any type of electromagnetic therapy can actually have an influence and give you information as well as help heal the body. And then it got to where I was like totally delving into this, right, man? I was like, okay, I talked to my mom and she was like, she's a little Korean lady. So I'm starting in practice. I start getting filled up with patients to the point where I'm like, I can't take any new patients. And I was like, man, all these people are liking frequency therapy, which I'm so thankful for. And she goes, a little in her Korean accent, she goes, your uncles in the mountains used to do that. And I was like, what? And she goes, yeah, your great uncles. I was like, what did they do? She goes, they do uh, Chinese herb and she did, you know, Qigong and Tai Chi and all this stuff. And I said, Mom, why have you ever told me about this? And she goes, nobody talked to those guys. They're crazy. And I was like, I went, okay, all right. I, you know, I started to giggle because that's after a few years in practice. But when I, we see, like, I built my whole practice, and I'm not putting myself, like, pat myself on the back, on the hope that how we treat, like, more of a, um, in a frequency basis like even my father asked me, he goes, hey, son, how do you, do you think they're going to take this in the realm of Nashville, Tennessee? You know, it's like the, the South and what are they going to think? And I was like, I don't know, dad, but I do believe that to me, this is the wave of the future and this is how I want to process. And I'm thankful today, like you and I, like you can, I see a lot of people and I'm thankful we do a lot of virtuals. We do a lot of, you know, even here and in person, all that to say, it's like, it's been a big adventure for me and one that's never where I'm not learning. So everybody out there that's listening, I'm saying that Doc and I here, when we're talking about this, when we talk about frequency medicine, it's something to research and always take into account because I would never have gotten the information from individuals, find out things about them if I didn't learn and study about frequencies. This podcast was brought to you by the Longev Revive Cream. If you haven't heard of this cream before, go back and listen to the podcast interview with David Horneck one of the people that helped create this amazing cream. The cream is specifically developed to enhance red light therapy treatment sessions. And not only that, but improve vibrational healing from the frequencies of full spectrum sunlight. The Revive includes special ingredients such as photodynamic amino acids, which helps convert UV light to red light. It increases production of this thing called fibronectin, which is said to be the holy grail of anti-aging. And then there's astaxanthin, which has been shown in clinical studies to increase skin moisture, moisture retention, and elasticity. There's turmeric, which contains an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and antimicrobial properties. There's copper peptides, which also has antioxidant, anti-inflammatory effects. C60 has high antioxidant power to prevent skin aging, 172 times more than vitamin C. And then there's also geranium rose, shungite, humic acids. And most of these ingredients are organic and they're all high, high quality. So if you want to check this cream out, go to longev.com. That's L-O-N-G-E-V-V.com. Or you can also find it on biolite.shop. That's biolite.shop. That's a really fascinating, well, handful of stories. And you already answered a lot of my questions with those. So sorry. I didn't mean to go there. No, I love it. A lot of really cool rabbit holes. I mean, there's a lot of questions I can ask from there, but a lot of parallels between 
uh, I guess, you and me in the sense that, like we both stated, we both kind of started our shops or our practices in like hole in the walls. Like I was essentially in uh, a closet space in the corner of a gym. Oh, <laughs> oh man. It was so low. I was just starting out. And similar to you, I was hanging my hopes on dry needling being as powerful as I thought it could be. Because at mm-hmm. that point, when I first started, I had recently just taken a dry needling course, like a weekend course. I was blown away at what it could treat. For example, before that course, I was dealing with like a tight and pain and sore left hip for the past 11 or 12 years up to that point, because I had an avulsion fracture when I was a freshman in high school playing football. Mm-hmm. So whenever I started like running or I was a hockey player, so whenever I started playing hockey in the winter or fall, like the, the hip would start to talk to me and it was always just chronically tight. But when I got to the dry needling course, you practice on each other the entire week and the entire body. So eventually we got to the hip, my partners practice on my hip and immediately my hip was unlocked and it was real and it lasted. Wow. Going through PT school, I tried, you know, stretching this, strengthen that, uh, massage this and all these techniques that you learn in PT school, which helped a little bit, but never mm-hmm. really moved the needle pun intended. I got my hip dry needle and it unlocked forever. And I was like, wow, if it can help with something this chronic this quickly and the results are real, then how come it's not being utilized more? How come more people don't know about it? Mm -hmm. A similar thing happened with my shoulder, but I won't go into that. So anyway, similar to Mm -hmm. you, I opened a practice purely based on dry needling. I, I, I quit my former job for multiple reasons, but literally opened my own practice just because of dry needling and similar to you, it kind of built itself up basically word of mouth the entire way because mm-hmm. people started to see the results. Chronic headaches for decades, relieved within two or three sessions, chronic back pain for decades. You reduce it by 50%, 80%, 90% in one session. After a couple mm-hmm. sessions, it's almost all the way gone. That in combination with other things like you know certain joint mobilizations or maybe some cupping, but dry needling was huge. With that conversation, let's just roll into you and acupuncture. We kind of talked about this before the podcast, but I get this question all the time, like how is dry needling different from acupuncture or is dry needling acupuncture? And there's a lot of this conversation going on in the legal system because there's still a handful of states where you can't dry needle because acupuncturists are lobbying, saying that um, people that dry needle are actually doing acupuncture, so they shouldn't be able to, you know what I'm saying? So there's this whole conversation, people butting heads, it kind of gets territorial, but in my mind, I'll just say what I think, and then I want to hear from you. Yeah, so, yeah I love this. I love this. Yeah. yeah. So what I always tell people is, based on my experience uh, with dry needling and my very novice understanding of acupuncture, is that for pain, I would argue dry needling is superior. From my understanding, what I learned in the course is dry needling can help reduce inflammation, improve circulation, and there's some things going on with the pain signals by desensitizing them, by reducing inflammation, you're reducing mm-hmm. the pain signals to the brain. So you, mm-hmm. again, you can have people walk in with almost any type of pain. Mm-hmm. And if I dry needle this accordingly, based on the nervous system, not based on where it is locally or like in the muscle, but based on the nervous system, mm-hmm. if I dry needle correctly, will desensitize <laughs> the nerve, get rid of the inflammation, which will stop the pain signals to the brain. So again, to, to jump back to my first thought on it is dry needling superior for reducing pain. But if you're dealing with something, let's say, related to emotions or let's say the cold or the flu or something with your eye, you want to do acupuncture. That's my very novice perspective. I'm not sure what you think about if acupuncture is really good at reducing pain or what your experience is with acupuncture uh, versus dry needling. Not, not to put them like against No, it. no, no. I think it's a great conversation. I, you know, I've had uh, some friends who are uh, acupuncturists and, and, uh, and then I've had, like yourself, I've had some individuals really good at dry needling and there's been a little bit of disgruntled between them. I hope this comes off from what I like how I am in the office. I just think that if, if people do good work and they get good results, I, I referred individuals to one of my good friends, Derek, and he did dry needling and he did amazing results for pain. I, I always try to focus in my mind when people ask me the same question. It's like, well, in dry needling, I like uh, in the avenue of how it works with different types. They say like trigger points and nerve points. And there's a big communion between the acupuncture system and the nervous system. And so I think it's beautiful in the sense that people can 
activate both sides. So for instance, all you out there that are hearing like acupuncture is on a system of meridians. So think of the meridians as little tubes of fascia that run through the muscles and electrical signals, bipolar electrical signals are running through those small fascial tubes. Now the movement they say is usually like a couple of inches every 30 minutes. So you have this literally a pattern of like almost these electrical highways that are going through your body and electricity is slightly moving through those areas slowly. So certain areas of the body are more energized or electrocuted or electrified than other parts depending on two to three hours sections of the day. Now to me, like when you say dry needling, dry needling is going to those trigger points where you have nerve signals because nerves are separate than fascial tubes and they're carrying those lightning fast, like, oh, right there. So when somebody puts a needle right in one of those therapy points, trigger point, area around the nerve, you're probably going to get some signals that could be very quickly transmitted to the brain. And the brain's like, oh, that's a fast signal. And so you get that pain reduction in there. You get all the redness and inflammation. So there's a, to me, there's always that mixture, right, doc? Like whenever you see, oh, you need that to be fixed this amount of time. If you're an athlete or something, go see Derek, go get some dry needling. Now, for me personally, I have seen like good times where there's pain that gets reduced really well like out of a joint because i hit inflammation acupuncture points but they'll say like if we want to get really like nerdy about it i'm saying like, we get really nerdy about it, that the cool thing is like with we're talking about electromagnetic or even um, spectrums within the acupuncture system if you keep a needle in an area just like you know dry needling i don't know like the full links that you would use in your practice but like when they say 20 or 30 minutes is that you're trying to use the needle as basically a new boundary. You're, there is a block, they say it opens up, but what happens is, the cool thing about neurology is that if the element's in the in the arm and the brain's reading it at lightning speed through a nerve, you're like, I'm gonna go and interrupt that signal and that, that deficiency or that pain signal with the needle and it's gonna help clear up the signal so the brain can read what's going on really quickly and reduce it. Acupuncture, what I found for me personally is, I work a little slower. I'm not saying like I've worked reduced pain and I've seen people get up within 30 minutes, you know, on, on certain points that have to do with pain. And they're like, that feels really good. What I have found is me, I try to always associate it with an organ. That's how I operate because I'm always like, there's always called viscerosomatic reflexes, so organ causing body pain. And if I can clean up some electricity and some blood flow to the organ, I'll eventually see some really good results with pain. I've seen it happen within 10, sometimes 30 minutes. I've seen it happen pretty quickly. But again, I love the melding. To me, it's like how each can, can work. So you're dealing with a nervous system and then an acupuncture system. But really, what is really cool, brother, is this. You can have fascial tubes running through of electricity, these little tubes running through like the bicep. And then you're like, gracious. And then you could get something like a dry needling done and help re-educate you know, that bicep. But then you add in a little bit of acupuncture, something to the meridian that's going down the bicep, which would be the small intestine meridian or the lung and get that thing cleaned up. And then it points you back going, well, is there something going on with their lung and their small intestine? Do they have an infection? And you go, oh, I have bronchitis. I'm like, well, let's get the pain out of there, but also let's hit some other points too, like, you know, with acupuncture and see if we can clean up some of those infections as well. And then that would lead me back to, like we just talked about, like emotions. I'm like, are you grieving something because you have something in your lungs going on? People say, well, PTs, chiropractors, osteopaths, yep. like, you know, you should, you shouldn't be able to manipulate or do this. And then other one, you know, other practitioners like, you know, they'll say, well, you really should fix the muscle because the, the muscle will actually just basically move the bone back in place. I, I can see both sides, not saying like the argument, saying how you can move the bone or you can fix the muscle. I prefer moving the muscle. So there's like these fights and I'm like, guys, if we just kind of just try to agree on something that's better, best for the patient. So how about an overspeak? I just want us to like everybody oh, you know, run with different perspectives. And like you're saying, um, and like I kind of alluded to, it can get territorial, whether people want to put it, pit them against each other, dry needling versus acupuncture or physical therapy versus chiropractic versus like you say, the osteopath. So at the end of the day, if the patient is healed or feeling better, mm -hmm. that's what matters. And as long as it's a real result, it's not just like, Hey, we're going to patch you up for the day. So they can mm -hmm. come back the next and we can slap another patch on. No, it's it's leading to real results. So whether it's acupuncture and or dry needling and or manipulation and or fascia work and or movement training, it's all along this path to healing. And what I loved about your whole diatribe there was there's a lot of interconnectedness between the muscles, the brain, 
the nerves, the organs, emotions. And that's something as a physical therapist, I haven't really delved into because my scope of practice is, you know, musculoskeletal function and movement, mm -hmm. but you get the, the luxury, I'll call it, of having this very broad scope of information and knowledge that you get to work with. Like you said, the biceps or the forearm, and you're working with the small intestines and um, the lungs, you said, which is like, that's such a cool connection that I just don't know about. And you're able to unfold so many things at a deeper level. Now you're talking about emotions, which maybe is a good segue um, into that because you, on your Instagram, I believe it's Dr. Motley, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, which Dr. people Motley. need to go check out. There's a wealth of information there. Chris puts out a lot of great information. And like I was telling him before the podcast, he does a lot of uh, shortish videos and they're animated, but the information he's putting out is, is, is tremendous. So any type of health and wellness, you guys need to check out Dr. Motley's Instagram. Along that thought, he speaks and educates a lot about emotions and how to protect your emotions and energy and resonance. So Chris, I'd love for you to talk about that, whichever way you want to go with it, just, just your idea and thought on how energy and resonance, what that does for your emotions. And for example, one of your videos you're talking about, if you come into a room with someone who has negative energy, what that does to your energy level and stuff like that, just give us a little depiction of energy, resonance, yes. emotions. Definitely. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it, brother. Like when, uh, to me, that was one of the biggest things about with um, uh, the electromagnetics that are given off by a person, um, especially with, I mean, even in the nerves, we know that like, and you say musculoskeletal, that's a big indication for me. And also in the acupuncture system. So when electricity is running through the body, it's just like wires in a house. If you have electrons running from one end of the wire to the next, the movement of the electrons that go through the wire actually is vibration. It'll produce movement. And so the vibration comes and emanates off the body. So the vibrations, let's say, are circular or around the pathway of the meridian or in a nerve. You can get electromagnetics off of those uh, readings off that. So the body will actually put off quite a bit of electromagnetic spectrum. So I will tie it into emotions. Whenever you have an area of the body that has clear signals running through those little meridians, like through the muscles, you'll have a healthy amount of electromagnetic signal that's coming off of the skin. Because you can measure the voltage off of skin, because the skin will pick up on that vibration of electrical movement. Now, the cool thing about our systems is that our tissue, you know as well as I do, we talk about dry needling or an acupuncture, is that our, our skin is composed of tons of piezoelectric crystals. We basically are reflectors, and so are our bones in our bone marrow. So what will happen, guys, is as we push a lot of this electromagnetic off of our skin, if we get into an area where you have somebody else that's around you, and let's say they're kind of sick, and they're not very healthy, and their organs, let's say their liver was congested, the liver meridian that runs through and around the liver area, like that little tube of electricity, that liver will try to suck all that energy to heal. But that will effectively rob energy from other areas, other organs, because it's not allowing the energy to pass. What happens to the electromagnetic signal? It gets lower. So it's like, oh, it's not as strong. When you come into contact or get around that person, that electromagnetic vibration that's given off of them effectively will jump over and it affects you. It may not be a big signal. But what we found, and they say it on like in physics, remember when we studied in physics class, is that if you have two people that are near each other, we have to act like tuning forks. So in Chinese medicine, every organ is related to an emotion. And we can go into the gist of it, but it can get a little complicated in the sense like it may be too much for this, like the length of the podcast. But I'll say the liver is always associated with anger. So let's say the liver is congested with toxins and uh, you know infections and has you got a lifelong of anger or you have some built up anger. Well, remember that electromagnetic spectrum is really low. It's really small. So it's like it's fatiguing the body. The hardest part is this: we all have anger. If somebody has a little resonance, a little tuning fork of anger within their liver or within their body, it can find the smallest amount of anger within you. And remember, two tuning forks that have the same note. You can hit one and make it ring, and it'll send its wave over to the exact replica and make that other tuning fork ring as well. So you have this person with a sick liver come into contact with you, and it can identify the smallest amount of liver anger within you, and you can start to resonate with that person. Their electromagnetic spectrum found a small glitch in your electromagnetic spectrum, and then you start feeding each other. And what happens when two tuning forks are starting to match is with tuning fork A, if that person with anger sends all their anger to you, you'll resonate with it for a while until you get filled up, and then you shoot it back to them. 
and you start resonating back and forth. So what we find is every organ has a different emotion. For instance, the kidneys are fear, the lungs are grief, the colon has to do with control or dogmatic positions, you know, and you have the anger within the liver or resentment in the gallbladder. So what I found though, is that when you have all these electromagnetic spectrums given off by the body, you have to be careful of who you're around. Because if you have, if you naturally have a weak condition, like a weak liver, you can actually be susceptible to get all these people's attraction of all these in types of emotions coming towards you. And people say, do you actually feel those other people's emotion? Yes, you do. If you read information off of another person and it strikes up anger in you, that's why you feel a bad vibe from them. That is literally why you come in. And you know as well as I do, Mike, when somebody comes in, your body will literally create toxins within your cells because it knows it's a bad vibration. And so when I was dealing with emotions, I, that's the thing, first thing. I didn't really know tons about like say resonance, like how it worked. But I, when I started really studying about tuning forks and how like people can vibrate and resonate with each other, I was noticing in practice, I don't know how, you, how it was with you, brother, but I'd have people that come into the office and who are, you know, they didn't mean they're hurting. They're, you know, they're a little pessimistic or cynical. And I would get done and I would be kind of cynical. And I was like, what? Or they have a heart condition, you know, oh, I got palpitations. And all of a sudden you're like, hmm, my heart feels kind of t tight today after I got done with work. And so then you study their history and I would start to find like that person has a lot of problems with joy and love. And then I would be like, they found a little tuning fork within me, a little stroke, a little cord within me that has, I feel, maybe some deficiency of love, and they latched on. And then they create what they call a standing wave. That means that you guys start to trade energy back and forth because you're matching frequencies. Now, this is the beautiful thing. I know we can say, I love these segues. Like whenever we talk about red light therapy or like if you, with acupuncture or even dry needling, physics would say like um, if you have – I hate to use the word unhealthy person, or if you had, let's say, an infection, you know, in your body. If a person is resonating with you, you guys have the same way you're trading it back and forth. The best way to cut the wavelength or the connecting wire between you two is to put a new boundary or a new cut at the highest crest of a wave, the highest peak. And I was like, well, how does that happen? And then physics goes, no. You use something that puts a disturbance in the interference pattern between you and the next person. So it could be another light signal. An acupuncture needle could be put in the skin because remember, we're all crystal, we're made up of crystal light reflectors in our skin. You can put the needle in that little collagen area of your skin. You can twist it around. You start to twist those piezoelectric crystals and you emit light. You create charge. It puts a cut boundary in the highest peak. You can do it with an essential oil. Probably like a nice gem or a quartz crystal, those frequencies can create uh, can create their own frequencies to put an interference or a boundary in that pattern. I know this gets nerdy with some people out there, but I'm just saying when we talk about emotions, there is lots of physiological and electrical, chemical, biochemical responses and research out there that show you that the connection between people is not just physical. It is literally an, on the electromagnetic spectrum. And Mike, you know, as well, when we read about these things, it's kind of eye-opening. Like now they're saying this. I mean, they've said this in the past before. But when we talked about like, let's say I have an emotion in the heart that's really like my heart's hurting right now. And the heart meridian goes down the arm, both arms. And so somebody comes to you and I and we're like this. We go, they'll come in there like, man, like literally my forearm muscles and my wrist I have carpal tunnel all day. And we needle it. We're putting a, uh, putting a new boundary in that interference pattern. That's what we're doing. But then I start to think this way. I go, man, that wrist keeps going out in the, along that pathway of the heart meridian. So my first thought is, did you experience some kind of somebody rob your joy? Did somebody or you have chronic sadness that's going on in your life? And literally most of the time, you know, as well, you talk to your patients and they'll just be like, yeah, how did you how did you know? Like, And they'll start busting. And they're like, why? Because it followed the pattern. And to me, it made practice more interesting. So any of you guys out there, I want to, all the people listening, your emotions can literally change your biochemistry, change your muscle tone, make you have sore joints. It's proven. Mike and I experience it every single day. And I hope that was a good explanation. I, I know it's a little bit wordy guys, but I just want to show you how strong we are as radio towers. We met frequency all day. We're reflectors of light. 
I mean, it's amazing, though. I hope that uh, clarifies it clear as mud, as my dad would say. <laughs> no, that was extremely fascinating. Again, because um, I don't have the background of of dealing with the interconnectedness of of pain in the nervous system and and organs, and then of course emotion on top of that, like you do. So, like you said, it makes your your job and your work more interesting, but I'm sure it leads to more fruitful results as well. One of the questions I had as you were going about that, like you're saying, two, two uh, tuning forks, one person with bad energy, another one with good. Let's just you know say for that for the purpose mm-hmm. of this question, in that the negative energy can affect the person with positive energy, bring their energy down, let's say to be not yeah. as high as they were. So the question being, what if you're in a city like Los Angeles or New York, where you're just surrounded by people and all these different types of energies? Does that mean as you're walking along the sidewalk with hundreds or thousands of other people that you're picking up all of these different vibrations and that is literally affecting your energy, your vibration um, on yes. a second, second basis? Oh, we, you know, as well as I, when we walk in that room and we feel somebody drain us, but in a city, I, I know you felt it. I can tell, like I've walked in, I've literally landed in a city and it felt heavy. And if you think that each one of us creates as small tuning forks, and they say that even they, they've measured like certain types of uh, electromagnetic waves and patterns from individuals, uh, several hundred meters, they can actually pick up on uh, those frequencies. But when you're in a city that has negative energy, whether whatever city it is, you will always try to actuate with it. You will always try to vibrate with it because we're not naturally like if most people of us are like, we don't want to get along. So you start to be influenced. And so these waves are hitting your body and your body's trying to adapt. And sure enough, you may find yourself starting to think and having the same depressed feelings, the same types of toxicities and sicknesses as a city would produce. Like I'm serious, I've traveled a lot with work and stuff in the past and I would literally get off a plane and I would be like, goodness, man, I, I just feel like tenderness. And this is how crazy it can be. And this is why I wondered why symptoms in my body would occur. I'd be like, why does my neck always hurt? And what happened in a certain city I'd go visit? Like, why is my neck always hurting? Well, if they're emitting a frequency and they're, you know, low, lower vibration, you walk into your high vibration. Of course, you try to actuate, you try to meet in the middle, try to match. But I realized that it was stimulating a lot of the receptors, or a lot of the frequencies that along the meridian that were going to my stomach. I was like, totally affecting my stomach meridian. I can tell it. And the stomach meridian starts right below the eye and goes right down the neck and goes right down into my stomach. And so I have a sensitive stomach. And I had a surgery, I had a ruptured ulcer a while back, went to surgery. But I'm saying that's one of my weak points. I don't like to use the word weak, but maybe my most imbalanced point. But I'm just saying, yes, you can be in a city, you can be in a town, you can be in a plane and you can feel the, the resonance. I mean, we all are picking up on frequencies and we're all trying to accommodate each other. We're trying to like match each other in some way. Um, the worst is this though. You will try to pull yourself down to match. But if let's say a person like you have a really good vibration going on, if a city or amount of people in a city have a certain way of thinking or, you know, that doesn't match you, they say this, if the crest or the the crest and the drops in a wave do not match yours, like the actual shape of it, it'll actually distort your wave pattern. It'll actually almost try to cancel your wave pattern. It means it can make you almost go flatline in your waves. So you can have your organs that are once healthy get sick because of the wave pattern are coming off other individuals. And this is not unusual. I mean, this is like, it's been studied pretty well. So yes, a lot of people can affect you in many ways. That's mind blowing. And that also kind of brings up another question I already had for you, but even more so now, especially with the ever looming presence of 5G and Mm -hmm. the negative energy that's bringing the, I don't even know if we know the full extent of it yet. Cause it's so quote unquote mm-hmm. new, but how does something like 5g impact our health or wellness or, or mental energy? And then secondly, what can people do to combat it? If at all. Definitely. Okay. So really what's really been funny on research and I've seen, even seen in the office trying to do my own type, like personal clinical research. But uh, one of my good friends, Dr. Jay Dunn, who's really big into uh, genetic research, they say that if your nerve, we know this, we're in both neurology, like if your nerve is covered with what we call a myelin sheath, like if you have a good insulation of fats around your, your nerves, you'll transmit nervous signals really well. If, if you have any type of thin myelin sheath, you won't transmit signals really well. And that, comes, that can come from infections or your genetic makeup. You may not be eating enough essential fatty acids, and we'll talk about that. But what they've been finding was that the individuals that usually have the genetic markers 
that have really good tendencies to create good myelin sheath to absorb fats and utilize them are not being penetrated by 5G because those waves at radiation, which is very strong, is coming into your body. And if you're if the insulation around your nerves are very thin, it'll affect your nerves. I mean, you can think about it, like I, you've seen it, like you know, people with their heads up to a phone and how well it goes deep into their skin and into their flesh and in their brain. So what I've experienced too, I've been trying this out to see if it would help patients who are literally will get stomach aches, heart palpitations when they're in front, like with their phone. Like they're like, every time I put it, I don't know, it's not me just making it up. I was like, okay, start them on essential fatty acids. In school, we learned guys out there, a thing called a Krebs cycle. The Krebs cycle is basically how well you absorb sugars and fats and how well you create energy from it. That's all it is. How do you absorb fats? Some people have genetic mutations where they can't absorb the fats very well. There's a few genes like the ACAT gene. There's a few of them. I won't go into it, but they will determine how well you utilize fats and cholesterol. So if you have good genes, you probably could walk into an area with 5G for a good bit and you're probably not too you know, affected by it. But if you have that gene where you didn't absorb fats very well, plus you get infection or in an emotional environment, you need to make sure you start bumping up and finding an essential fatty acid that's good for you and also bouncing up on your vitamin D and vitamin K and vitamin A. And those have been shown to help with the myelin sheath. So, man, I'm, I'm with you. Like that kind of wave pattern is it's alarming how many 5G patterns are out there and people don't realize it now. But the long-term effects can be lots of radiation that can get in the bones too. And I hope that nobody out there is thinking I'm being negative, but it does go down to, in my opinion, how well your nerves can be insulated. And eventually in Chinese medicine, they call it, it wears down the Wei Qi. The fascia underneath the skin is very, very strong. It's supposed to be very connected. But if you don't take, you know, decent supplementation, you don't take care of your, you know, if you're not doing that, your skin can get very interrupted by the 5G. So I hope that's 5G and I hope I answered it well. Yeah, definitely. And so with people that have like a, a thinner myelin sheath or their diet is such that their myelin sheath, let's say, gets thinner, does that mean with the 5G or the presence of those types of uh, wavelengths or frequencies that they're more likely to come down with a neurodegenerative disease specifically? Or is that just a door into their uh, nervous system that could lead to a multitude of different health uh, maladies? It could be I, I always consider it. I say this is my opinion, but I think it could be both, definitely. I think that they could have, like, if they have a tendency of their genetic line, may have a tendency for, like, MS, you know, I hate to say, or Parkinson's or something like that. Could it lead down to where it fries the nerves and the myelin sheath as it gets thinner and it's getting affected? Then the body will produce a lot of oxygen species, reactive oxygen species, and we know that it'll ping around and may tear your nerves up more. So then people have may have symptoms of like Parkinson's or MS or something of that sort, and they may not know why. When they're in the, in the radiation and it also can hate to say it sets you up if you've had chronic strep chronic lyme disease or parasites again they eat a lot of that neurological tissue because that's what they because a lot of them have like different types of fats and sugars around them and they eat the sugar so they'll burrow into the tissue and so you get further neurological conditions because of the toxins those infections produce so you know i think you and i know that, you know, we've read about this i can tell because we're both in like you know nerds about you know frequency and such but we can't forget like the electromagnetic realm. I mean, there's only a small spectrum of the electromagnetic realm that is actually visible. The rest is invisible. And to think that we're not affected by it, for me, like I'm saying, it's, it's naive to think that way. You, you got to realize that things will affect you not only on the chemical or physical, but also electromagnetic. 100%. And that's something I preach a lot is just because just you can't see it doesn't mean it's not affecting you. And a mm -hmm. part of red light therapy is near infrared light, which is invisible. Even still, I think it's tough for some people to understand that this panel that's emitting near-infrared light that they can't see, I think for some people it's tough to believe in it because they can't see it. But to your point, we can only see such a small, 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 small fraction of light that is surrounding us. I think it would be kind of scary if we could see radio frequency or whatever type of wavelengths. Would it Would be radio frequency from 5G? Yeah, we would like, and they're also like the patterns, like if it was given off by 5G, like, yeah, you're the radio frequencies right, and, right. and how like electromagnetics move in like perpendicular wave patterns. I mean, it'd be like us being like bugs, you know what I mean? Like we, if it was opened up to us, we'd be like, it'd be too overwhelming to our nervous system and we'd shut down. And, but I say just because our eyes would be, if we saw it, we'd shut down. But I'm like, but Hey, if it's invisible, it can hit us without hitting our eyes and it can still eventually shut us down if we're not careful.
So lastly, I know we're running low on time. Let's talk about your experience with red light therapy specifically and the ways that you've utilized it, some of the results you've seen, some of your thoughts on what red and near-infrared light therapy can do for people. I will say this, my man, Mike, I, I, it's one of the most powerful applications in my office um, with patients. You know, I use needles, I use, you know, acupuncture needles, I, and I use light, like acupuncture lasers, and you've seen and I've seen them, different colored lights, and I think they're all, effic- you know, the efficacy is great. I use a lot of, like we say, infrared um, diff- uh, devices that have different pulse patterns. And I use biofeedback, like a small monitor that can actually monitor and see if, like, if their system is actually benefiting or is if, if it's still being stimulated by the light. So I can monitor that and see how long I need to keep that on them. All that to say. Man, I've seen individuals come in and uh, that had like, like I, I do deal with a lot of chronic Lyme disease, uh, deal with a lot of parasite and bacterial, and especially strep. And even this is great for kids. But what I had found out was when I was telling you, I was reading a lot of like, I've been reading more about it with near infrared because it doesn't cause people don't feel it. They're not getting heated up too hot. They're not feeling bad. But there is, um, they say that if an organ, let's say, gets infected by Lyme, I've seen it firsthand. I see it every day. But I had patients that have had it really deep in their brainstem. All the signals, all the vibrations, the frequencies coming off the brainstem, and their arms can't move as efficiently because their nerves to their arms are being affected because that stuff gets into their brainstem. Now, what I have found was I have to find the right pulse pattern. So what will happen is I'll do all their testing. I'll start doing some myotome testing. I'm like, well, your your deltoids and your biceps are completely weak. I'll take the light. And I'll put it on certain areas at certain angles with a certain pulse pattern and their muscles strengthen up. I was like, they're increasing mitochondria. They're increasing energy and ATP production. I was reading further too. I've been reading other books about like different types of uh, uh, patterns and how, like we talked about before, if the frequency of the infection has created a resonant frequency with the tissue, let's say the brainstem gets used to the Lyme disease being there. The boundary is the tissue. The, the little critter is giving off a frequency that hits the actual boundary with the tissue. Tissue can't get rid of it because there's not enough energy, not enough ATP to get rid of it. So it starts to vibrate with the little critter. It starts sending information back. So they start to live in symbiosis. What I have found is I was like, I know the infrared heals with ATP, but I guarantee it the different pulse patterns are sticking those, remember those new boundaries, cutting those, those waves in half somewhere along that line. So I would hold it and then all their muscles would strengthen up and I would find out like maybe after, you know, 30 seconds, two minutes, four minutes, I was like, okay, I can tell their body starts to go into what we call yin and acupuncture is like everything's so relaxed. They can't hold up anything. Let them walk around a little bit. We go back and their muscles stay strong. Crazy thing. They start to see results. And I'm saying just from infrared, like light therapy and it's staying like it. It's not like, oh, I, I felt good for two days. They're like, literally like, no, my head's clear now. Why? I'm like, because infrared not only builds energy, but it also creates new boundaries. It actually helps cut those lines of communications between infections and tissue and neurological signals too, like a misinformed muscle connection to the brain. So I hope that was a good explanation. But I'm saying this, in the day, I literally have seen people that had parasites um, so bad, like literally it's rashes on their skin and they're stay bloated all the time and doing red infrared on certain acupuncture areas, especially around the gut, getting it disassociated, the information between the parasite and the gut, they'll flush. And I mean, the rashes go away. And this is within a few visits. I'm not trying to brag. It's just the power of light. I know. I want to hear some of your stories, but doc, I mean, this is great. Well, I mean, so a lot of what I use it with is in tandem with dry needling to help reduce pains. So I don't have the background that you do with all these points with the organs and whatnot. But based on my education and my knowledge, treating along the nervous system, based on what they're showing up with, let's say it's in their shoulder, I have a couple of what I call homeostatic points. That's what I learned from Dr. Ma, who was the teacher of the class. So he he was brought up with acupuncture, then moved to the U.S., became involved with dry needling, developed his own whole system, which is... Like you're saying, the meridian lines kind of map the nervous system. So Dr. Ma took the most uh, sensitized positions along the nervous system and made those homeostatic points, meaning this point along the nerve is going to give you the best bang for the buck above and below the nerve. So my Mm. point being with the shoulder, there's a couple of homeostatic points that may or may not be in the shoulder, but they help heal the shoulder. I use those same concepts with red light therapy. 
where I'm treating the nervous system with these homeostatic points along with dry needling. So like to your point, and I didn't even know this until you started saying it, I'm probably creating these different frequencies, both with the needle and then of course the red, but it sounds like especially the near infrared light where I may be changing, like you're saying, the boundaries and the frequencies, thus altering their, their perception of pain or the pain altogether. Is that correct? Completely. And, and the cool thing is with all the therapies, I know like in those parts along the spine, I'm not just talking about organs, but I'm saying like what they say is now that you created the, the, the new boundary where the infection or whatever it is, the pain signal is hitting that new boundary, the original boundary, the muscle, the nerves, now they say we'll bounce them back into the proper frequency, the natural frequency it was supposed to be at. So it's like, oh, I'm not connected to that, that thing that's draining me anymore. I can be vibrant again. And I mean, all tissue, all that, I mean, muscle, fascia, infections, organs, all one unit. And I just, man, I love, I need to get some information from this Dr. Ma. This is great, man. I'd love yeah, to. Yeah, you'd man. love his book. I think we're getting a little, little. Oh personal. man, time's bad. I don't, I love this combo. I know. I was just going to say, um, we're definitely going to have to have you on because I feel like we're just scratching the tip of the iceberg and especially with your knowledge and your background. Uh, feels like we've been talking for five or 10 minutes, but. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We're coming up on an hour and I know you got to run. So we'll definitely have to do another episode of something because man, I just love talking, uh, talking with you, especially as, as many similarities as we have yet very contrasting backgrounds and expertises. I feel like we could definitely put another episode together. Definitely, so. Let's do it. And I, I'm, I'm trying to, and I say, let's, let's do it. If you, if you'll have me, I really appreciate it, my brother. I really do. And I, and we can talk more about further things in frequency medicine. So yeah, just, just let me know. And I may be put, I'm not trying to promote myself, but I'm saying like, I may be putting my- Because people need to learn more from you. So I was oh. literally going to ask you, where can people go to learn more about and from you? Oh, that's great. I, you guys can go to Instagram or Facebook. It's Dr. Motley spelled out and all one word, or like an Instagram, it's all Dr. Motley and even on uh, Facebook. So guys go there. I had drmotley.com. Uh, you can use a short version of Dr. Motley or the long to go right to my website. We're getting a new website put together and we're trying to make it more education based, you know, so people can come in there and do that. The crazy, like we're starting to try to get, I call it the Motcast, but we're trying to get that back going up. It just got so busy. I didn't have a chance with all COVID things to get really get it moving back up again. So eventually when I get it done, I'd like to have you on there too. Dr. Absolutely. I would, I would love to be. Great. So, yes. Yeah, so thank you so much, my friend. Thank Chris, you. Chris, appreciate your time, man. Appreciate your knowledge. Love the conversation. We'll definitely do one in the near future. Oh, thank you, Mike. Appreciate it, bro. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, everyone. For uh, Dr. Chris Molly, this is Dr. Mike Belkowski signing off of another episode of The Red Light Report. Everyone have a fantastic week. Thank you for listening to The Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.